0: Hey guys, welcome to Gen X Podcast. I'm Jennifer Otero. I started this podcast to highlight the stories of local business owners, entrepreneurs, and creatives on how they started their businesses, advice they offer, and what they are doing to make a difference in the community. This is a safe space for like-minded people who want to be inspired and get motivated to live their dreams, all while giving back no matter how small. I'm right there with you, so let's do this.
1: So... Okay. Um- yeah, so tell me about your background. So I was checking it out. So recent ASU graduate.
0: Yeah, um, I graduated um, in 2019, and then I got a, I got a job, and I quit my job. So I'm yeah. unemployed at the moment. I started this podcast because I was like, I kind of want to do something else. You know, have a hobby, and also like I'm very introverted and shy. So I, I felt like this would help me like, get out of my comfort zone and meet new people. I also like business, so I like I love listening to people talk about their passions. Yeah, that's how it got started.
1: Interesting. I uh yes, I'm impressed with uh, smart young people who question that like comfort zone and do things outside of their comfort zone. Um, I'm a bit uh, of an extrovert and kind of crazy, so I would just say <laughs> yes to things, whether <laughs> I'm comfortable with the idea or not. And I'm like, well, I don't know, we'll figure it out. But I think it's interesting for people that are more introverted to do that. I mean, I've got several. Uh, friends that when they were really young questioned that and did the same thing, whether that was, I'd force himself to go have X number of meetings a week or create X number of lunch dates, or even one who's like, I want to sell, I'm going to buy a boat and go live, you know, sail, the, you know, c- yeah. sail across the ocean and go live in Costa Rica or whatever it is. People are like uh, finding things that they're uncomfortable with saying, how do I make this change? Like, it's impressive that you would do that.
0: Yeah. That's what my therapist tells me all the time. She's like, not a lot of people do that. She's very proud of me for stepping outside of my comfort zone and doing things that normal introverts wouldn't do. I'm always afraid. So I feel like I would never do anything. I would just sit at home all day. So I kind of like just push myself, even if I feel scared because otherwise I'm still going to be scared at home. So might as well do something different.
1: Super valid. You know what I, my advice for introverts is simply and this is probably easier when you're younger Is like introverts tend to find and become friends with somebody who's the crazy extrovert and like, i kind of kind of wish i were like them and then meanwhile your crazy extrovert friend like me is saying god i wish i didn't just talk all the time and say crazy stuff out loud without thinking about it yeah you know, right so um Oh, hundred percent. It's always better. But then your extrovert friend is the one who's always dragging you into everything. It's like, let's go do this. Let's go out. Let's go to this club. Let's go meet some mm-hmm. people like setting you up on things where, you know, so lazy person, lazy extroverts way of getting out of that is just have a friend who drags you out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the introvert. My wife refers to herself as the reluctant participant. Like because that. I'm like, hey, I've got this idea. Hey, we should do this. Hey, here's this thing I want to do. I've got this project. And she's just like, the first thought is always, ugh. and then she <laughs> groans. And I'm like, it'll be fun. She's like, I'm like, am I ever wrong? <laughs> so, to be fair, though, as like, like wily and outgoing as I am, I still have my own preconceived notions of things that I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And then like, we'll say food, for example, I have to eat out every two hours and I don't really care about food. It's super transactional. But I would always look at stuff and go like, like a lemon cookie or something. And I'd Mm -hmm. be like, I don't think I like that flavor and stuff. I don't want that. And then (laughs) it'd be offered to me a whole bunch. And eventually one day you eat it and you go, holy crap, that was delicious. Why have I, in my life, I've been telling you and I was like, why have I not eaten one of these before? I'm 50 years old. you think I would have bothered to try something like that? But mostly it's just laziness and I know curiosity or whatever it is, I just kind of go, It's a preconceived notion of I don't like that, so I don't try it.
0: We should always try stuff.
1: There it is. You go, that was surprisingly good. On the flip side, there's nothing worse than on a Tuesday saying, yeah, going out Friday, I would love to get together with you this weekend. And then the weekend rolls around and you're like, why did I say yes to that?
0: (laughs) I do that all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Every idea is great on Tuesday. Okay. Sorry. I can go on this
0: topic (laughs) forever. I have a lot of questions. Hey, hey. So what you just heard was a little conversation I had with Kyle before the interview started. I left it there because I thought it was funny, but it might also connect with some of you introverts out there. So now we can just start the episode. Hope you enjoy. Hi there. Um, my guest today is Kyle Burnett. He is one of the founders of Little Taller, um, a marketing agency. He's also founder of Hustle Hustlejack, Impala Scrubs, All Bound. He's a board member and advisor and a professor at Grand Canyon University. He's an amazing builder and creator. Um, Welcome to the show. I'm glad you said yes. And I'm very excited to talk to you today. First, we connected on LinkedIn and you were the first one that I connected with on LinkedIn. I usually connect with people over in person or through email. What are your thoughts on that platform? And because I recently started going into LinkedIn because I'm looking for a job. So it's kind (laughs) of rough.
1: Well, thank you for the introduction. A lot of kind words and Things on there, and so a lot of that's true, half truth. I'm part of a lot of things. I'm just, I'm a glutton. So, <laughs> uh, I'm a glutton, and I'm definitely not smart. So, arrogance, and, <laughs> arrogance, and ignorance is everything to me. I just think I can do it, and I don't know why I can't. So, I'll just say yes. So, LinkedIn's interesting. So you're telling me I'm the first person that you reach out to on LinkedIn to start a conversation with.
0: Yeah, I don't know well, why. It- I just.
1: You should start um, advertising that you have a hundred percent success rate on on LinkedIn right now,
0: <laughs> yeah that's right? a good idea actually
1: i okay, I might be kind of like and you might be just a weird timing, but obviously if you were if you were looking you know and trying to stalk people on LinkedIn and that's what we're doing is professional stalking, mm-hmm. so I do the same thing too i I scour it, but I'm looking for profiles of people that fit a certain kind of a certain target market that I have right. Interestingly enough, my target market over the past number of years, being a professor, you know, adjunct professor at GCU, growing a company named Little Taller, where I literally try to help people grow a little bit taller professionally, Mm -hmm. personally, help our clients do that. I'm always looking for young emerging talent. And I've got that pipeline, you know, through Grand Canyon University, but also in Phoenix in general, ASU. NAU, a you know, University of Arizona, all of those being here too. I'm also interested, you know, a little bit in that. So especially when an entrepreneurial young person reaches out and says, "I'm doing something. Can you help?" The answer is always going to be yes. So if you're if you're scouring for other like-minded individuals, mm-hmm. there's a whole community of them here, and I'm connected to a bunch of them. But maybe it was just darn good timing that you hit
0: me on there. Yeah, I mean, I have gotten no's from. Emailing and stuff, but LinkedIn, I I don't know if I know much about it at the moment. Maybe because for me, it's a little bit harder to find people that I'm I have a very specific niche I want to go into, like social and environmental impact. And I don't really know how to look for people on LinkedIn that kind of fit that. Uh That makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's linked. I hate LinkedIn so. (laughs) Well, it's a social platform, right? But So it's got its own sort of take and it's got, you know, in in humans doing what humans do, they gather around the campfire and then they create their own little culture around that campfire. You know, Facebook's kind of got its thing that it's good for and that, but it's largely it's users and the way they've used the platform and then the way users have used Instagram or TikTok or whatever the new flavor of the day is of of a platform, Mm -hmm. the users drive the, you know, drive the usage and drive the use cases. And so LinkedIn is got its own little kind of culture around there and it's the worst. (laughs) It's so, it's just like glib little business sayings and stuff and quoting like other people. And it's so formulaic and it's so black and white. Like basically if you're not dumping a million dollars on the next candidate that you meet and offering a job in the next 10 minutes then you're a terrible company that no one should ever work for you and you should be out of business and you're like it somehow the platforms are like really smart people have analyzed the social platforms and the impact they've had on humanity arguably not a good one necessarily but they they've they've studied that and i swear you could look at linkedin and it's almost a snapshot of we went from a platform of people sharing some ideas and networking and you know creating potential mm-hmm. to this like everything is, is gas pedal down to the floor, black and white at all times about every single thing you're supposed to be doing right now m- immediately. There's no nuance and there's no slow burn to it. It's You get caught up. I pull it up on there and I instantly want to react to things that people are doing or saying. The directory aspect of it, I think is fantastic still for networking and I don't have to sell through it. So I'm not selling anything. Well, whatever, we're all selling something, but I'm not necessarily using it to like for business development to uh, set appointments to then qualify and then drive to a sale. So I don't have to use it for that side of that either. And so I'm rather fortunate that I can just use it to meet people like you that have interesting things they're trying to accomplish in the world and just want to talk about them. I find that to be an extremely useful platform for that.
0: It's easier for me to connect with other people that uh, otherwise I wouldn't have met. So, I mean, that's the also good thing. Also
1: true. One of my absolute most dearest friends, uh, uh, JP Taxman, check him out, mm-hmm. Leaf Key. So shout out. But JP, same thing. He he hit me up via LinkedIn a couple of years ago. It's just like, hey, I'm just kind of somewhat new to town, just looking to meet some other you know, entrepreneurs and whatnot. And it was slightly flattering. It played to the ego. I'm like, oh, I'm an established guy. If you want to talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) But we went out, we hung out at like changing hands, had a drink, hit it off famously and fast and furious friends. Now, like, you know, that's just off because adults have problems making friends because you just kind of get busy with life. Or as a kid, Mm -hmm. you're friends with whoever's near you. Great. We're friends. Let's play. Speaking of comfort zones. I say yes to those things to spark that up. And then I challenge myself to keep following up with people and keep being friends with them and <laughs> keep doing things as an adult. Yeah. But I've built some really interesting relationships off of there. But all that was, was this jumping off point to get to talk to somebody. And then you immediately leave the platform and then go work, you know, together on Zoom or in real life or whatever. But the, the whole network just explodes from there. One of my mentors told me way back when, when I was young and in college, that your business network starts right here. And you can almost look at my entire career trajectory of it was nothing other than just getting the first meeting with somebody to get mm-hmm. a job. And then everything else came off of people I met and knew along the way. Like none of it has ever at this point now, 30 years into my career has been into a resume. None of it has been into applying for a job. It's all been simply through the, through the network of humans that you know, and the opportunities that you create along the way. And it's still to this day, even when I started a little taller, it was simply just reaching out to people I know to go catch up, have, you know, grab a drink, grab some coffee, and just be like, "Hey, what are you up to?" And I was not selling a thing. I was just like asking for advice or for guidance. And most of the time, they'd go, "Well, actually, let me—I tra- know somebody." Or shortly after they, because I was top of mind, they would put me in contact with somebody. A sell would happen. Something would grow. I wasn't selling anything. I was merely just hanging out with people, sharing the story of what I was doing next, and it was a hundred percent all generated off of the network of who, you know,
0: you also say that, um, you're the founder and instigator for a little taller. I haven't really heard someone use that word instigator to describe their title. So what do you mean by that? And like, how are you an instigator?
1: One of our other phrases we like to use, <laughs> if, if you ain't scheming, you ain't dreaming. I, I came from an old, you know, crazy neighbor of mine, God rest his soul. Who would say that? And you're like, that sounds insane, but it also kind of makes sense. And <laughs> and so we've adopted that. But I've but I like the instigator phrase because we all have ideas, and so you know, you want someone a who wants to hear out your ideas, help explore them, beat them up a little bit, but make them better. That's kind of the point of community. It's why you go to college to learn and grow, get good mentors, good teachers. Mm-hmm. That's why you have any sense of community is to get people to hopefully that you can trust them to take your ideas that you've got and help make them better and grow them. And so people need that prodding along and something that you and I were talking about off mic about being an introvert or an extrovert. And I said, then every introvert just merely needs an extrovert friend who makes them do things. Yeah. That's me. I'm that, I'm that bad influence, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? At many points, I was accused in my youth of being the bad influence on on somebody because I was like, you know what we should do? We should go steal a bunch of your dad's beer. (laughs) Like like that power to influence people to do things, you know, it can be bad or it can be really powerful. But I've always been highly energetic with that. And it's always things that come out of my mouth that have said, you know what we should do? You know what we could do? You know what's possible Mm -hmm. here? Hey, I've got this idea. like that is also, by the way, what absolutely drives my team completely crazy about me is (laughs) I don't turn that, I don't turn it off. So it's, it is that though, it's instigation, whether it's your idea or somebody else's, I'm still trying to instigate it. I'm still trying to push it forward. I'm still trying to grow it. You reaching out to me saying, Hey, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, how can I instigate? (laughs) How can I, how can I cheerlead it? How can I help it? How can I move it forward? So
0: I like using different words. I I hate having CEO slash founder because it just seems so cold. And like, you're just, um, a person that's like unapproachable, but Instigator's like, Oh, he's a fine guy, but he's still like serious about his work. Yeah.
1: LinkedIn's a tough one too, because, Oh, it's so hard to like, so you want to like tell people who you are, right? You still want to be genuine. People talk about authenticity and just because i And I swear a tremendous amount. I'm actually really pleased that I've not sworn at all during our conversation. Kudos (laughs) for me. But, um, but I swear a ton, but that doesn't make me authentic because I just refuse to, you know, because I refuse to not swear during a meeting, you know, or because I, because I I swear on my website, people think that's authentic. No, it's just immature. Like that's silly. I think a lot of titles that we put out there are immature and they're silly. I think they're, they're like kind of, career-wise immature mm-hmm. and and, or they're just merely a phrase at the time, you know, chief people person. Um, okay. I mean, I get it. We're trying to basically say, oh, that our teams are more than just merely resources. And well, it was always human resources. We always mm-hmm. had human in the title. Okay. But So you're an advocate for the people. Okay, great. I agree with all of that, but it is sometimes just really hard not to look at phrasings and titles and just sort of be turned off by them a little bit and going, oh, yeah. it's so it's such a cheesy ass adult thing to do. Mm. to Like give yourself these lofty titles of things. And that's hard. But on the flip side, to be completely, you know, glass houses and all, it's, it is also hard to like describe yourself somewhat authentically and not seem like you're just full of yourself. And, you know, and like, yeah. I'm a chief instigator. I don't It's true, <laughs> but is it also like, people could look at that and go, look at this jackass with his silly beard and that dumb ass, or <laughs> nonsense, and like just roll their eyes at it. i get it You know i don't know what to do about it either other than just play with the words enough until you feel like you're kind of comfortable with it and it fits in your elevator pitch okay and if you're comfortable and your audience is comfortable then you don't really care about what everyone else thinks
0: yeah to each their own i guess uh, um yeah so can you summarize what little taller does
1: sure um we're a marketing agency and venture studio to Two components there. So your classic marketing agency that does all the things that marketing departments do, design and development, mm. marketing collateral, help companies grow. Also inside of that, we have a really large technical component. We're a highly technical team that does a lot of product design and development, tech stack integration. So it kind of spins out a little bit off of marketing into mm-hmm. like technology that marketing teams used which pushed us more into product development developing solutions around those tools that they use and then the venture studio side of this is merely our interest in business building
0: that's a lot that's that's really cool um it
1: is it's a lot it's definitely too much but then you know it was always part of the scheme was to do a lot and so my appetite is apparently too large it is (laughs) large but it is always to do that but it works effectively because we've got a really solid team. I've got a great business partner in Alexandra and that, you know, her side of learning and growing the parking agency. Amazing. Could that be spun out and be its own company someday? Perhaps the tech side of what I do with the uh, Katie on my team and the things that we product design, develop, build the tech, tech stuff. Yeah. That could be its own entity. And then the venture studio with Brandon Clark over there, you know, starting to scale up businesses out of that thing. Yeah. That will eventually become its own entity as well. So it, I just happen to be lucky and be in a place where I can sell all three of those areas and staff and grow people in all three of those areas to eventually become their own massive organizations under themselves.
0: All right. So we're going to talk about the business a little bit more later, but can you tell me a little bit about your childhood, like where you grew up and what you wanted to be when you were younger?
1: Oh, I'd love to. Um, I'm from Texas originally. I've been out there Mm -hmm. since 99, so... Long time, but I was uh, born outside of Dallas. So I grew up between Dallas and East Texas. A lot of my family's out in East Texas. So we could spend the weekends out in the woods, running around like wild children, and Mm -hmm. try to be a little bit refined back in the big city (laughs) during the week. Um, An amazing way to grow up, experiencing all of that small town, big town culture. Heavily involved in sports, not at all interested in school or learning. That's ADHD for you. So you might notice some of the ADHD overtones there in my appetite for doing everything. Um, it's not a lack of focus. It's the ability to focus on a lot of things at one time. So grew up doing a lot of that, but I've always been crazy. entrepreneurial. always looked at things of, you know, how do you scale that and turn into something big, never been super interested in looking for jobs as much as just scaling and growing. So I kind of, kind of came by it honestly, but, um, I come from a long line out in East Texas at my granddad's place. He's a, was a jack of all trades and owned like you know a gunsmithing shop a lawnmower building business you know just Mm -hmm. a handyman extraordinaire my dad same thing he was handyman journalist turned corporate uh communications guy turned partner manager building an agency you know i grew up kind of inside of his agency so i just grew up in a world of build your business and just figure it
0: out kind
1: of how i got here honestly
0: so you studied journalism in Texas, is that right?
1: I did, kind of, again, following in my old man's footsteps. <laughs> and candidly, it was like, I got into journalism because as a punk teenager, figuring out how to stay below the radar, I was like, what can I do to make the parents happy? And I was like, well, I will mimic them. And I'm like, look, Dad, I'm studying journalism. And so maybe he then strangely would like take the foot off of the, the gas mm-hmm. pedal that he had on me about grades being important. So It was literally nothing other than a ploy and it kind of worked. I kind of liked it and then really got into the creative side of journalism. I do love writing storytelling, but I got into the creative side of it, design, develop, photography, production, and just kind of landed at the right time of going from print to digital. So from print to digital print and then from digital print to online, I kind of got to ride that wave through, Mm -hmm. you know, through early newspaper jobs out of college to, you know, more of the digital design side, the digital development, digital printing to then online production, which then became online design, which kept running me down the rabbit hole of how does this work? And then I just kept learning more. So I went from design to web design, to web dev, to, in, to the software behind web dev, the engineering. and just kind of kept oh going God. further down the rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> so was your idea always journalism or like once you got out of college is like, okay, I'm going to start my own business in journalism or how, like, what were your thoughts? I shot a
1: lot of photography at the time. Every good college hippie kid wants to do. Um, so I saw the path though, for that being somewhat interesting that I could design and I could shoot pictures. There was not a lot of jobs like in journalism, as a photographer, because journalism was already starting to shrink at that time. So there was not a lot of, pho- of photography openings, especially for a young kid who's probably not great at it. <laughs> so that's a hard path versus the computers that were entering the newsroom were sitting wide open. And so much like you would today, even still old people think hire a kid when there's new technology. I got to ride that wave. I got to get thrown in front of a computer to do design, do work that frankly wasn't really that hard. Um, and it paid better than being a photographer. And so I would do that, but six months into any job, I would be like, I'm bored and I got to quit. I got to change yeah. my whole life. You know, as a kid, you like, you don't know how to really regulate those cycles. And so I would just be like, I got to quit and try something else. And plus my entrepreneurial nature, not fully understanding it at the time was, um, I was just showing up for a paycheck at a job, doing something repetitively mm-hmm. that's not fulfilling for me. And I didn't understand why. I just knew that I was like, this was boring, and my I was going a little stir crazy. And so, change was a good thing. I didn't understand that entrepreneurship and change are kind of can can go really really closely intertwined. And so, somewhat out of energy, opportunity, and necessity, I would just keep coming up with the new sort of job or the new scheme, or go convince somebody to pay me. But when it came to what I really like doing, shooting pictures, that was always an entrepreneurial endeavor. And I've always told people that want to be a photographer, I was like, I hope you're entrepreneurial because your path to being a photographer full-time is probably doing your own thing, building up your own following, building up your own studio, building up your own clientele. Mm-hmm. You probably have to do that. And I was already so I kind of got to do that, you know, in that and until I just tripped into some other opportunities where I could kind of combine skills and ability and money and figure out how to make more money with less pain
0: okay so how did, how did you come up with the name little taller
1: uh it is from the skilo song the wish he says i wish i was a little bit taller i wish i was taller
0: <laughs> nice
1: 100 <laughs> percent. yeah nice creativity is fun i mean i like to think i'm clever and funny and all that jazz but I've routinely over the years been one of those morons who's like, you know what would be a great band name? <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm that asshole friend of yours who was always like sitting around with drinks going, that'd be a great band name. And so great. I've always like, liked naming stuff like that. Now, on the spot, that's trickier when you're like, I'm going to start a podcast. What should I call it? Oh, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> but hey, I'll workshop it with you.
0: What is your mission for A Little Taller?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, mm-hmm. except too many. Obviously, yeah. There's
0: a lot going on. Oh my goodness. Well, but
1: I mean, as the name as the name implies, is like our mission is to help humans and businesses grow a little bit taller. It is not any more complicated than that. That sure, we have. You know, we all have to get up, go to work, and make some money to keep affording the things that we need to keep sustaining mm-hmm. our lives you know, and keep achieving the things that we want to do in our personal lives that means a tremendous amount that we've got 30 plus humans on this little bootstrap company that got to this spot that this is what they're doing, that they're, you know, making the rent payments, making the mortgage car payments, uh, paying off student debt, you know, buying houses, having babies, like all of that stuff that's happening from people that came from this is super interesting and rewarding, but also that, but that's transactional. Like, Literally, we we're very fortunate to live in this country. There's a lot of jobs available. We've been in a really interesting economic time. Eh, we'll see what comes from it, but lots of people can go get jobs and make money. And we all then want to kind of move to that next level on Maslow's hierarchy of needs about actualization and enjoying ourselves, like serving a greater purpose versus just this transactional ex- existence of go to work, yeah. make money, pay the bills, go to work, make money, pay bills. So we definitely want to want to have a a bit of that in what we do and that if people aren't still growing, then they're still having fun at it. Then we want to help them figure out what's next. Mm -hmm. Not like as in that's the polite way that HR always says, like, how do we help you find what's next? (laughs) Which is get the hell out of our business and our company. But that I to pair to like quote, and I this may not be super accurate, but I've always been told that the CEO of Netflix said he wanted to build a company that people were proud to be from.
0: Yeah, I think I heard that. Yeah.
1: Right. And so he's probably like, I never said that. Hell, I don't (laughs) want people to leave my company. If they leave, I don't care what they think, but. I do want that to be this like the stepping stone that people look back at that. Cause I look back at certain points of like formative points of my career and I'm like, that was the best relationship, the best job, the best It was probably only three months at one job. And I could tell that person you were an amazing mentor to me in this pivotal moment. And they'll be like, I barely remember us even being at that job together, (laughs) (laughs) But I do want it to be that. And that was, that was the mission, you know, as Pollyannish as it might sound. I did want to build a company that gave people a chance to grow. And if they then moved on and did other things bigger and better, that's pretty darn cool. I like that
0: because like, you spent so much of your time at work and you need to find a place where you belong and where you're admired. And I think everyone shouldn't expect somebody to stay at a job for their whole life. Like You, you expect them to leave at some point. So make it a good place to work in the meantime that they're there
1: everything's going to come to an end. Eventually all yeah. clients will eventually leave. All humans will eventually leave. Um, you know, it, that just, that change is inevitable. You know, you can Google the statistics of how long people stay at jobs, but I've seen that it's for me, six months, I'm ready for a change. If I can get a change inside of a place in six, every six months to keep it exciting, I might get two years out of a job. You can look mm-hmm. at the resume, any place where I was at a quote unquote real job, it was two years max. And that was a stretch. So I get that we will train and grow people and I've got to continue to give them some reasons to care and want to stay or find a good reason and time to transition. That's also fine. I mean, I, I do know as a business owner firsthand, yeah, churn hurts. I mean, it, it hurts yeah. to invest in somebody and then have them leave. And you just want the timing to be right for that. But then let's just be honest from the get-go that that's probably what's going to happen at some point. And that's not I don't give them a worksheet that's like, how can I help you leave here in two years? <laughs> but, you know, but, but hopefully, I mean, plenty will stick around. We're four years in and half of my team has been here since the beginning. So
0: Wow, you're doing something right then.
1: Uh, they're doing something right. All I'm doing, <laughs> all I'm doing is instigating, man. I'm just slinging a bunch of ideas, <laughs> selling a bunch of things and throwing it to them going, here, figure it out. <laughs>
0: So, what did the first couple of weeks look like for it um, for you? What was it difficult to start? How did you start it? Were you like alone or did you have someone with you?
1: I started this probably like a lot of people later in their careers start up a kind of services organization. You've already got a line on a handful of clients. So very few people just sort of say, I'm going to quit my job as a nurse practitioner and go start a creative marketing agency selling to restaurants, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> unless they happen to be married to a restaurateur whose marketing is terrible. And they've spent the last couple of years at dinner parties with all the other restaurants in town whose marketers are terrible. And they've all told this person, you should quit your job. Why are you a nurse? You would be a natural to marketing, yeah. right? So unless something like that falls together, you tend to leave what you're doing so I was the co-founder of All Bound, a software company in Phoenix, and we grew that over a couple of years to get to a couple of rounds of funding. And then, But I already knew what I wanted to do. I knew when growing that, I wanted to spin out, start a services organization aligned next to it, and then I could align a couple of other visions of mine, all at the same points. But in order to do that too, it was a complete leap of faith with no clients, no revenue, no nothing, or I could have a little bit of things lined up. So I was already selling and managing the services work on top of the all Bound platform. And so I could just take that with me and spin it out, you know, and start it up. But again, that was the point I knew all along is if we could get the, the software company to a certain point and it needed services. I could start a second organization to take those services. I had that planned from before we ever started it. And it was not enough to support anything. I mean, candidly, I was, you know, taking a six figure salary and cutting it to zero I'll spending money on top of that to try to bring in a couple of other young resources to help me grow. There's a couple of paths that people can go to, to start there. And this is a tricky one is you're mm-hmm. a little bit later in your career is most people don't want to leave the six figure high paying job with insurance and benefits and paid vacation and all of that jazz They don't want to leave that to start something new and it's risky because they probably are married, probably have a kid or two or a dog or a cat or a mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. You've got all these other reasons not to leave that stability and that security to then cut out to go do something that is inherently risky and the odds are always against you. And for what payout? Like that's a tough one. And or if they're a consultant on their own, they're like, yeah, but I'm tapped out. It's just me. I can't get any more work done. What do I do? I'm like, well, take a massive pay cut, dump a bunch of money onto the next person and take a financial J curve of cut your money way back to afford to get somebody else in to get the work onto them to then bring yourself back up versus sell, trying to stay where you are and then still somehow manage to find extra sales to find extra revenue to hire that next person. That path is, is, is a difficult one too. And I find that more people struggle with how to, how to make that growth If they're on their own, how to make the leap if they're on their own without Mm -hmm. lining up a couple of things to be safe, how to make that or out of necessity because you got fired or downsized or whatever. But then once you're successful as a solo practitioner, how do you make that next jump to get more humans in? My path, and I'll say it's the right one, my path was to zero myself out, spend all money on everybody else for a certain amount of time and then slowly move mine back up. And four years later, I'm only at 60 grand a year. <laughs> so like, I did not move myself up quickly at all and instead put every dime back into this to get it to be as kind of big and stable as possible. To then turn a corner and figure out, okay, focus on profit, focus on building up cash on hand, focus on you know a number of other business initiatives, and then ultimately, okay, where's my payout for having gone through that endeavor of four years of not paying myself, <laughs> and, you know, massive pay cut and everything else to get there? Like, I don't know if it's the right way, but it's a way.
0: Well, did you have like a lot of confidence in yourself that you could get? to a certain point where you're going to make money because otherwise like what's the point like you knew this is gonna it's gonna be big
1: confidence sure arrogance and ignorance absolutely <laughs> I don't, it's an old mark twain quote of two bastardizing it but two things to be successful arrogance and ignorance and it just it it fuels me it's like like yeah I, we'll figure that out and so i do like the we'll have to say yes figure it out piece of this and i do mm-hmm. like being ignorant enough to not question why it wouldn't work
0: yeah like there's no plan b it's just this is gonna work
1: it is well the the plan b to be honest too is like like, you can always go get a job yeah i mean again back to the whole point conversation of linkedin there's so many humans that we know there's work to be had so you know not and i watched this during like one of the Great Recession when you were really young, but like 2008, and I'd have neighbors and people that would be like, oh, I just can't find work. Well, to paraphrase Dr. Phil, "Horse shit." Yes, you can. <laughs> walk down the street and down Main Street in any city in this country and knock on doors and walk in and go, hey, do you, need, do you need any help? Don't ask questions about what the job entails. Don't ask about the salary to pay or anything else. And guess what? Every single place needs help. So you can go and then just by giving help, you will land a job. Now, you may not want to sweep floors for $10 an hour, but don't tell me you can't find any job at all. That's bullshit. And so I've always been empowered with that concept that there's no work that is beneath me and that I will always figure out how to get by. Everything else is just like cute, neat add-ons like, oh, the nicer car, the nicer thing. Sure, we all have vices or we all have things we want to invest in. We all want something nicer. But just bottom of the barrel, am I going to like, is my family going to be without if I have to go take some shit job, making shit money for a while, if this doesn't work? Absolutely not. We're like, in lived in the most privileged place in the most privileged time in history, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, we've gotten a little bit on the lazy side from this. It's not like some old timer, but no, I've always been wired this way of bootstrap hustle. I've always got the bootstrap hustle to fall back on. I can always go figure out some way to get a job, make some money somewhere. So What's the worst that can happen? I don't make as much money as I would have made if I would have stayed in the job. Mm -hmm. I think more importantly, as a happiness factor of like, and I'll be candid about this one. I underestimated my happiness factor. I thought I was pretty unhappy in the day job. Boy, did I, was I wrong? (laughs) Oh oh my God. No, 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 no. There was way further down. I was not at rock bottom. There was way lower to go. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh dude. It's a whole thing. Go talk. I, tried the network, I'm starting introducing all these other founders. Oh my God, that happiness factor is so terrible. So no, there was so much more stress and so much more further down to go with the stress on my you know my wife, my relationships my finances, my time. I mean, then COVID hit shortly after that. And not only did we get busier, but I had no boundaries, 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. online the whole time working. I had no reason to stop working. I never left an office because I was at the office all day at home. Oh so, my like, God. oh, the it, it, happiness guy just went way out the window to points of questioning, wait, why was I doing this again? Because if it was purely for money, this is a stupid way to make money. So the plan B with them was what, like that literally at any point I could shut this thing down. Everyone here was better for the experience, had more experience, had a bigger network and would go make more money somewhere else. Every single one of us could leave here at any point, including today and go make more money somewhere else. I like that
0: thinking. I always like think of the negative part, like, oh my God, it didn't work. Like I failed, but it's like, oh no, we have experience now. We can do more things. We learned
1: Fail good, and my wife would goof on me sometimes, like you know, DIY projects. If I was like, oh man, and <laughs> she was like, she'll drop the Spider Man thing on me, like, why do we fall down? And I'm like, so we can learn to get back up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, like, like that. She drops on me a couple times a year when I screw up something colossal, you know, colossal <laughs> the house or whatever, but um, but. The yeah, you look for successful patterns, and yeah, you can learn from success, but you can also learn from the failures about how not to do that. So you try to navigate other people's failures and learn from it, and take from your own. But I routinely would rather hear about what didn't work than what did work. Yeah, what did work? You don't have to ask somebody because they'll tell you. It's like <laughs> back to LinkedIn. That's all people are telling you about is how they succeeded. We've internally talked about, with some friends about, we need to start the failure conference where all we do is bring people together. And all I want to know about for a month, like a week straight is failures. But to your point, what you said, which was you just flip it upside down. It's like, it wasn't a failure. It was like, okay, so you didn't achieve what you thought you wanted to achieve. Other stuff comes out of that.
0: Well, speaking of that, uh, what have been some of the mistakes in your business that you've made?
1: Oh my goodness. My... Okay. I don't, I don't heed the advice of others very well. Now, unless I ask for it and then I'm like, tell me what you think here. Please blow this up. Please help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's when I'm at rock bottom, I ask for help. So <laughs> what, the, what, what has been an extreme challenge was when people talk about back in LinkedIn and all the quippy little things, extreme focus. Yeah, that's not my thing. So mm-hmm. only sell the stuff that you really know how to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not in business if, if I do either one of these. <laughs> there's a lot of things I'm trying to do, but I am limited based off of bootstrap funding and opportunity. But I think that those are kind of my my biggest is I will naively, again, arrogance and ignorance. I'm like, yes. I say yes to things and then i figure figured them out. That's a scalability problem. That's not scalable. That's hard to really wrap your head or it's hard to train against just hustling and doing that. But I have continually had to sell ahead of where my team was. I've had to, you know, keep scheming to keep moving things out a little bit further to get us to where I know that we can be. I've got to keep pushing it out there. It is definitely easier once we've sold something, figured it out, then sell the second one, and then the third one, running buy the sixth one. We're like we're experts in this. But I was without a doubt straight up will just tell people, "Yep, we can do. It. Sure, we've done that. We can take care of that." Absolutely not what's it just it goes back to the beginning of my career i love this stuff like i've got a whole path of me just flat out telling people i know how to do shit i don't know how to do oh my God. To, li- to go you know what fuck it i will have to figure this out i don't have a choice and sure if they wrote a movie and pumped it up a little bit put will smith in there people would be like oh that's amazing like no that is the reality of like If I want to be a photographer at this weekly paper in Dallas, I've got to figure out how to get shots at this show, this concert that I'm not on the the ticket, the will call for. So I have to sneak my way into a theater to shoot Tom Petty, which that's literally this thing that's in the wrong room. have hanging on my wall. It's literally this published thing of me shooting Tom Petty, which I know how to sneak into concerts and shoot, shoot bands. I know how to do that. I can do that, but I have to do that in order to get the shot that I know that this editor is waiting for And so that I'm this little mini hero in this little scenario in order to keep the conversation going so that they'll give me more work. It totally paid off. I then from there had to tell somebody else, sure. I went and bought a book literally on how to do HTML. I read the first chapter and I sat at the bar, read the first chapter, got drunk, didn't read anything else, went to the interview the next day. I was like, I absolutely know how to do all of this stuff. I was literally one chapter ahead of everyone else in the organization that was hiring me to do this job freaking literally one chapter ahead of them. I was like, sure. I had to figure it out to then keep scheming my way towards eventually being the director of the entire unit that housed you know 20 jobs across 13 cities, all from this bullshit answer of, yeah, I know how to do that.
0: I like literally wish I was more like that. Like I strive oh. to be a little bit, just a little bit more <laughs> like that. Cause I even, even certain things that, let's say I want to have, um, get a job, and I tell people like, oh, I don't think I can do that. I, I see your resume. You literally have those, I, that experience. Like you could do that. You just have to be more confident and like say, these are the things because everything's like transferable um, with skills and maybe lie a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> and then I figure well, it out later because you you're smart Look, enough to figure that's it the out. Point.
1: You're not going to know all of the answers. Like the whole point of education is to learn how to learn like that's the entire point of it it's unless you're like a doctor or something but even then sure you need to know certain facts and things that you know about the profession but most of it is still about diagnostics and learning to learn to learn they never stop learning they have to keep learning it's the process of learning and doing it quickly under pressure that's <laughs> like i want that more than the doctor who like has all the textbook knowledge yeah like, who do I want treating me after I get in a car wreck? Not the textbook knowledge, the guy who could figure this stuff out, the woman who could figure this stuff out the fastest, you know, or the combination, most ideally. But I will say that there's a lot to that that is super handy. And there's a lot to that that is extremely stressful. That is part of like the happiness and stress factors. Like, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep saying yes to these things? Jen Spencer over at Smart Bug Media, she tells this great story, which is they would hire people. So when they hire people onto their remote team, I'm not sure they still do this now that they're like 120, but they would hire people on their remote team. And those people, part of the intro is they would have to hop on a Zoom with every single person in the company over the first time period of them being there and just get to know each other. 10, 15 minutes, no talk about work, just talk. Mm-hmm. She said, routinely you could hire men and women and bring them in and throw them into there. And she goes, almost without fail, the women would go through these interviews and you would hear a commonality of all of them saying, I hope I don't let you down. And you would hear the men come in and say, like, I'm here to fix things. (laughs) And she goes, and who would fail out? Who would be gone in six months? The men, every single freaking time. And it's so true. Like, I am clearly this, like, this little white dude who grew up in America, who's just like told that I could do anything and put my mind to I'm the byproduct of all of that nonsense. And I'm still figuring out how to make it work. I like to think there's some good in that. And I understand why there's negativity and all of that and the stuff that it brings. And that goes along with it. I, I appreciate that all of those things can exist, but I definitely have that. Like, yeah, I'm here to like, I can figure it out. I'll fix it. I'll say yes. And that's got tremendous strengths to be able to just do that on the flip side. The people that I love hiring, it's you. It's like my team is ex- almost all women. Grand Canyon University, it's 70% women. So, mm-hmm. like young, young women bring But every one of them approach it with way more humility. But I've just grew up also thinking, and women are smarter. They were always smarter. The women in my lives were always smarter than the men. They were always better at managing and scaling and being more stable. They were man- better at every freaking thing I could check the box on outside of throw a football, which what do I care about that? They were literally better at every single thing. And I realized that the very difference in me and almost all the people that I hire is that I'm that dude who just says, yeah, I got this, you know, in crazy bullshit, redneck American kind of way. And I have to, but I will back it up with, I will stay up all night. I will get this done. Come hell or high water. I will make this thing happen. So at least I've got that backing enough that bravado but I adore the, everyone else who's a little more reserved in it and saying, let, you know, and is a little more, a little more calm.
0: I see both sides. Like, I just want a little bit of everything. So what? Let's well, not been... say I
1: wouldn't push you. I would bring you on and be like, you got this, you got this, you got this. And I do this to other the kids on my team. I dump them. I dump a client on them the first chance I get and leave the room. I'm like, see ya. <laughs> right? Oh, you know. I don't push them out of the plane and go, you'll figure out the parachute on the way down. But I at least point out where the ripcord is and then I push them out of the plane. Like there is a bit of me doing that to other people that kind of push that along to go bigger, better, faster. But also it's, here's the thing, like, A, I trust you, you're brilliant. I see all of the things on there. It's gonna work itself out just fine. And also I've got the experience of having, sure, I may say yes to get myself in the room, whereas Mm. you wouldn't. Okay, maybe I do that, but I also know the outcome. The people I'm going to go meet with, they don't know anything either. Our only job is just to navigate the conversation with them and figure it out together. I don't have to have all the answers right away in there. So neither do you.
0: So what's been the most rewarding part of your journey so far? Um,
1: I don't have an answer for that one just yet, honestly. Okay. (laughs) Alexander and I talk about this where we actually, we literally had to, in our misery, stop and write down, what does a good day look like? Because we don't remember.
0: We, Do you only remember write... the bad ones?
1: Oh, God, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You could have nine clients, nine team members, nine people tell you they love you today and give you a hug. and You could have one person just kind of look at you out of the side of their eye. Oh, and yeah. All something. And the only thing you're going to remember is that.
0: Very unfortunate. That's... But like, I feel like that's how we work.
1: Human nature. And and so yeah it's a it's a practice it's a very decided, deliberate, conscious mental practice to focus on the good over the negative. that's have some mantras, get yourself a sticky note and remind yourself to do that keep practicing it you'll eventually get pretty good at it if you're not inherently good at it. But what Alexander and I had to do is we had to stop one day and we wrote down what's a good day look like because we couldn't remember why we were doing this anymore all of the drama, all of the problems, all of the stuff that comes with with running a business Mm -hmm. and humans, all of that stuff is so exhausting. And when we actually had to write this down too, because we had no energy to cheerlead someone that we were trying to hire of why this was amazing. They wanted to come join us. Mm -hmm. We were like, I don't even know what am I supposed to tell them? This is the worst goddamn decision you could make run for the Hills. Go Go get a job at a big company, make more money, get a good vacation package. And you only have to care about one job and you can, you do shut that down and don't care as much. Like we had to write down what a good day looks like. And, but the exercise in doing that was super fun because you could stop and look and go, wait, I think we actually have more components of that good day happening daily than we think we do. And, you know, that plus then stop and taking check to say, well, where I wanted to get to with this is somewhat of a nebulous concept. But if you would have told me four years ago that at this point we would have passed seven figures and then doubled that again in the first half of the following year and you have 30 humans on the team and that you would have all of these other opportunities and things spun up and cash in the bank and this and sitting around on a podcast gabbing about all of this. Mm If you'd have said that's where you'll be, I'd have been like, "Yeah, no shit, exactly. yeah, that's where I'm gonna be. That's why I'm doing this, right?" Like yeah. arrogance and ignorance, I've been like, "Absolutely, I'm gonna be <laughs> four years. Why is it not three? But we do when we do stop and take uh, take stock in how how did how did today go? How did this week go? How is this quarter, this month, this year going? How are we compared to where we thought we might be? You know, are what are the good moments of this? How's the team doing? And when we do stop and check in then we actually realize, wow, this is working. We're blessed. We're fortunate. It's paying itself off. Okay. And then we can get into the exercise of how do you jettison some of the bad, improve upon some of the bad, you know, like how do you treat all that? We can triage. And so I guess it is a bit of a, if we do that daily and our weekly triage, kind of just check in how things are going, then we do get to see the, the good stuff. And that long-winded answer is actually, well, the highs are that when we do just take a moment to stop and check in and we go, wow, this really is checking a lot of really positive boxes.
0: Yeah. And then it gives you a lot of gratitude and it inspires you to keep going further. Yes. Yeah. So you guys also expanded to other locations in North America, South America. How did that come about? Is it just like employees around yep. the country?
1: That's where the humans are. Yeah. We were fairly bought in on the remote deal pre-COVID anyways. And and part of that was just because we're digital, we build things digitally so we could be remote. Part of that was hiring young people, working with them while they were still in school, then they would leave and then they'd want to figure out where they want their life to be. And and I want to encourage that too. Whereas I sort of wound up at spots in my life because of inaction, interestingly enough, (laughs) and not making a bold decision. Like I envy that, speaking of bold decisions, I envy the people that are like, I want to go live in San Francisco and all of us adults, like, holy smokes, that's expensive and hard and challenging. And this, and this all of the reasons not to do it Yeah, still plays into decision-making. Even I have that still going on for as carefree as it might be, but I still want to encourage people to like, just go somewhere and do something. So the young people on the team where they're like, I want to go live in New York, I'm like, hell yeah, you should do that. That's not what my parents said. Okay, well, don't tell your parents I said this, but hell yeah, you should go do that. And how can I help? Because I don't know what New York looks like for you. You know, like, do you want to stay in Phoenix or do you want to try something different? So we wanted to encourage from the beginning, go live where you want to live. If that's go, that go, back, go back to the family, if that's go back to that area, be close to that. If that's follow a, you know, a partner somewhere around the country, do it. And the other part is just finding resources that are available to work, like engineering that's just pretty classic find people in another you know in another area that geographically works and mathematically really works and that's really where south america came in we wanted to stay close in the time zones but also find areas which we did which was find another company another agency that was similar to us that we could funnel a bunch of money and work into and help the team there grow
0: what do you read or watch to stay informed or or for fun
1: honestly i try not to stay informed i'm not going <laughs> to lie the last thing so i want so for fun
0: to,
1: yeah uh, the last thing at the end of the day that I want to do is turn on the news. I, it's not, yeah. act, what am I It's not actionable. There's nothing I can do about it.
0: It just makes me anxious. I don't watch the news.
1: Right. Like, you know, a puppy and a kid are missing. Well, I'm okay. Am I going to form a surge party? If I am, mm-hmm. then I need to know that. If I'm not, then I don't need, because then there's nothing I can do about that. Sure. I want to stay abreast of issues because I can vote or whatever, whatever the value that has, but I can stay abreast of that. But if it's just more, not more noise, then I don't need more noise. And so I definitely need to turn that thing off. Um, I would say that the quiet time when everybody else leaves is clear out my list and get a hold of my own mm-hmm. life. Go focus on that. But my wife will goof on me about not being able to figure out how to like use my cell phone or turn on a TV and <laughs> I'm a CTO. I'm like, because I don't care about the technology anymore, I want to go outside and dig a hole in the yard with a shovel and just fill it back up and then dig it again because it's mechanical. I don't have to think and I can shut it down. So
0: so, what is something you want to leave the listeners with? Information about your projects, last inspirational words? Yeah, oh, a lot. You have a lot of words.
1: I have too, yeah, too many words. And you have to edit the hell out of this.
0: Thing. <laughs> um, if you
1: ain't scheming, you ain't dreaming. I mean, if you're not, if you're just going through the motions, unless you find happiness in just going through the motions, then why are you doing what you're doing? Keep scheming. Make it up. Mm-hmm. Just like you reaching out to me and this won't be our last conversation. I'm going to make you come hang out with us, (laughs) Um, you know, come spend time with us. It's fun. Scheme things up. Get people who push you on ideas and want to help you and, you know, help you accomplish things and help you do things that that you want to do, but you're just not quite sure how to do that. Faith, family, business. It's something you've got to have something that's driving you and find people around you and surround yourself with people who want to help you succeed at that.
0: I love that. Okay. So last question. What do you love about Arizona? What specific local business or location?
1: I love all of the birdos in town because, you know, there's a there's a burrito joint within arm's distance Mm -hmm. at all times in this town. (laughs) That's amazing. And also, those are all crafty individuals who are just launching businesses on their own. They're not even a chain. They're not even connected to each other. Mm. I love how organically that whole thing spun up and also it's like an $8, like six pound burrito. It's amazing. <laughs> so that is by far my most favorite thing about this area, but uh, I don't, the geography is great. Um, you know, I'm a child of the sun, three, 360 days a year of sunshine, great vitamin D can't beat that. The heat does get old, but I love that, that piece of it. But I think most importantly, I love the generosity of this community um, of, you know, the yes Phoenix community of the startup AZ community things that are going on with entrepreneurship around asu and around gcu it is it's inspiring and it goes back to my previous point of find the community of like-minded people who want to see you succeed and want to help that is all here and that's really remarkable
0: yeah i've been to so many networking um events and everyone's so nice i kind of was at first like very intimidated by like this is the man because the people that go there are more men but everyone's been so nice
1: um, there's a strong female contingency here. We just need to get you introduced to the Jen Spencer's, Heidi Janingas and Christy Simmons.
0: Oh yeah, I'm down to talk to all of those people. You need to meet all of them.
1: They're crazy interesting. There's a super strong mentorship network, and you know, and the, the tide's turning, and it should turn, and it will turn. Let's go get way more. Let's get diversity. You know, let's keep mm-hmm. fighting for that. Less dudes look like me. <laughs> <laughs> diversity is massively important let's keep doing that
0: thank you for talking to me it was fun no thank, fun. Uh,
1: no, okay. thank you it's a pleasure and uh, i will most definitely be hitting you up so i'm glad you're syncing up with alex but you're now going to be on my list of people okay. i'm going to dra- drag out to hang out with us just to hang out so
0: please do i need an extrovert you got it thanks for joining me for another episode it was really fun talking with kyle burnett from little taller i admire his go-getter attitude This is actually going to be part one of a two-part episode. Part two is actually going to be a surprise, so stay tuned for that. If you also like this episode, please share with family and friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also connect with me on Instagram at jenextarpodcasts. I'm Jennifer, and thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon.